Hey guys, welcome back to the Live Podcast with me, Rachel Melema. I hope you all had a great weekend and I'm looking forward to today's episode because today we're going to be talking about some important things on engagement. I really hope this episode encourages you and helps you practically if you're an engaged person. I was recently thinking about engagement and how just a lot of people just get engaged and have no idea what to do from that point on. So here are just a few ideas that come to mind when I think about engagement. Now, I really hope uh, that this episode won't be all over the place, but let's just get right into it. Now, I don't know where you are at specifically, person who is listening in the dating world, but I'm going to assume that you are now engaged. If you're listening to this, you've gone through whether or not you even wanted a date and you've probably dated people, you've gone through the ups and downs, hopefully you've also sought Christ uh, as you've pursued romance, and now the time has finally arrived, your wedding day is approaching. So exciting! Your wedding day is one of your most important days of your life and I can say that with full confidence because I too am also married and my anniversary, my one year anniversary was actually on the 24th of October this year so yay. Anyway, a lot of people get engaged and either say cool, now what and they go into full on wedding prep mode or they just don't even care and they just continue living their lives. But engagement is an excellent time to pause and consider what is actually about to take place. When a couple gets married, they give themselves fully to the other person. And if you're a Christian listening, then our relationship with Jesus Christ is actually quite similar. When Jesus died on the cross for us, all of our sins become his and all of his righteousness becomes ours. Your marriage won't succeed based on how good you are. You won't get to the altar or wherever you're getting married at and someone's going to list off all the great things that you've done. You won't swap resumes, you'll swap rings and you'll become husband and wife by reciting a pledge of faith to one another. As you prepare to take each other's hand in faith, hopefully death until you part, you also take Jesus' hand by faith. You dedicate your life to him and trust in him and not in your own good works or good intentions, but in his perfect life and saving death on the cross. Engagement is an amazing opportunity to think about the greater privilege of being united with Jesus. So have you personally paused and thought about how God created marriage? Because it's a wonderful thing, so don't forget to stop and thank him for creating it. On another note, a lot of things come up in marriage. Apartments, houses, cars, bank accounts, jobs, churches, families, children, debt, education, money, etc. I can really go on forever. During that time that you're engaged, your joy about marriage also comes with responsibility. You're joining your lives together and the process of two becoming one can be tricky, stressful and expensive at times. Engagement also brings vulnerability. That's vulnerability of love, meaning that your heart is so intertwined with your fiancés that the thought of something happening can just kind of leave your heart racing. I can still feel the wound in my heart from when my first fiancé left, and it's a different kind of pain that just never really goes away. But also, seasons like engagement are meant to bring you to the end of yourself. God will use the season of engagement to humble you. He definitely will. He wants you to trust him with all of your needs. But although the future may look scary and you're not entirely sure where all the resources will come from, just stay in your lane, keep working, and get everything done. Don't let your anxiety keep you from being productive. Use the season of engagement to prepare you to prepare your marriage with all of your strength. If you're worried about money, just sit down together and talk about having a budget. If you're worried about time, get a calendar out and take a look at what your lives might look like. 
Jesse and I have a shared Google calendar, so we're both able to see what we're doing and we don't double up with any plans. So it's been very useful for us. We also have a shared note on our phone for groceries, to-do lists, money spending is also on there. It's, it's really helpful having shared notes on things. I've been told I'm very crazy for this, but honestly, it saved us a lot of time and worry and communication. If you're worried about getting everything done on time, then write everything out that needs to be done and don't be ashamed of asking friends and family to help. Remove the uncertainty with firm, concrete actions. And as you do this, I'd honestly recommend showing your premarital counsellor what you find. Which leads me to another thing. If you don't have a premarital counsellor or pastor, I recommend that you start doing that too. Premarital counselling is like preparing for a beautiful banquet dinner. This kind of feast doesn't just happen. It, there was some preparations beforehand. If nothing had been prepared, then it wouldn't have been a beautiful banquet. It would just be like a microwave dinner that simply got the job done. The time you invest in reading books, attending counselling sessions, working through problems now will bring incredible results later on. The best time for counselling is before a problem even comes up. Premarital counselling is also really helpful in determining whether or not two people should even get married to begin with. Jesse and I got premarital counselling and it was great. We talked a lot about some very real issues that needed to be dealt with before we even got married. Emotions are high, feelings are in full swing when you're newly engaged, so you might not be seeing very clearly. Premarital counselling has the potential to push beyond the present and to bring a long-term vision of marriage into the conversation. Many couples get engaged without ever thinking about critical questions about conflict resolution or life goals. Premarital counselling also helps train couples to love each other more biblically and more effectively. It pinpoints and seeks to strengthen areas of weakness in each person's life. Basically, premarital counselling can help to solidify the commitment a couple has made to each other when they got engaged. Or it can help them see that they've made a decision without really thinking through all of the consequences. And trust me, I can say this from personal experience, no one wants a failed engagement. It really hurts and it really sucks. But it's always better to break off an engagement than file divorce papers. There is one thing that gets talked about a lot, I've noticed, and it's the length of engagement. Now, let me say right now that the length of your engagement is not an issue of sin or righteousness. It doesn't really matter. I've known people who were engaged for two years and some people for one month. So let me talk about some things that might help you to decide on how long you want your engagement to be. For me, Jesse and I dated for about eight months and then we got engaged and we were engaged for four months and then we got married. So to some people, that's pretty short. And then maybe for some other people, that's really, that's really long. <laughs> But you know what made my wedding day so exciting? The waiting. Everyone who attends a wedding knows that the bride and groom have waited for this day with excitement, and waiting has a way of building up excitement. But also, waiting can also feel like a longing. Longing is what gives waiting its intensity. Engagement is charged with longing. You get engaged, and then you plan a whole life together, and yet you feel a sea of separation between you two, and it's because you're not actually married yet. If you're a Christian couple and you're engaged, it can also feel frustrating saying goodnight to each other, and then you go back to your own houses while you're waiting. You also have this good, growing physical desire for your fiancé, and you long to experience intimacy in the covenant of marriage, and these longings are good, and they're supposed to be there because they're meant to 
drive you into marriage. That's that's why we that's why we marry. Long engagements intensify these longings in an unnecessary and unhelpful way. The Bible is clear on controlling our bodies and it wants to satisfy our longings in the right context and that's why it urges us to get married. It's better to marry than to burn with passion. So yeah, consider your longings, prioritize them biblically. God promises to give wisdom to anyone who asks and as you make this decision together of how long your engagement should be, he will provide you with everything you need. The last thing I would like to point out is this cute little line in your vows and it says this, till death do us part. Not many couples realize the significance of this sentence. Marriage doesn't come with a 30-day free trial. No one gets a test drive. Marriage isn't just a contract that should be uh, discarded carelessly. It's a covenant made before God, and it isn't designed to be torn apart. It's made to last a lifetime. If you say the phrase in your vows, till death do us part, you are committing to never leave or forsake your partner until you breathe your last. You're pledging to be united until one or both of you see Jesus face to face. That means if your partner gets sick and they're unable to care for themselves, you're called to to have and to hold. And when your spouse gets angry and doesn't communicate with kindness, you're required to love and to cherish. And when life gets stressful and overwhelming, you're not allowed to give up on each other. God designed it this way for our good and for his glory. We long for a loyal love. We yearn for a love that just won't let us go. Deep down, we all want to hear, I will never leave you or forsake you. And just know that it's not until adultery do us part or until abandonment do us part. Regardless of your view of divorce, get rid of every reason for divorce and choose to live with each other as Jesus does with us, his bride, without exceptions. Give yourself away without escape. Be completely committed. Wedding vows are heavy and they're made before God. Our yes must be yes and our no must be no. If there's any potential exit plan for marriage in your mind, then you need to take the phrase, till death do us part, out of your vows. You can't have it both ways. We long for something that lasts a lifetime. In Psalm 106 verse 1, it says, The Lord's steadfast love endures forever. Now that statement should calm our heart and cause us to worship. Now, I pray today that as you prepare for the heavy excitement of having a covenant with your spouse, that your marriage oath will be true until either you or the world passes away. Anyway, those are just a few things that I wanted to share to engaged couples. If you'd like to hear more on engagement, please let me know. I don't think I've ever really talked about engagement before. Um, I would really love to make more episodes on engagement. So you can message me anything that you want to know on the blog, rachelmelema.tumblr.com forward slash ask. Or you can shoot me a message on any of the social media channels. I'm not entirely sure if there will be next week's episode because I'm supposed to be having a break and coronavirus is easing up. So I actually haven't had a break between seasons five and six. And after this episode will be season seven. So I'm trying to decide whether or not to have a break. If I do have a break, then I will not post an episode for a few weeks and I will be back later. But if I decide to go against that, then I will see you guys next week. Um, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you have a fun, filled, enjoy week wherever you are. And I will see you next time, whenever that may be. Okay, bye.